This is Chad Roberts, and you're listening to Awakened to Grace. Today on Awaken to Grace, we are going to be in Matthew 17, and I want to share with you the story of the coin in the fish's mouth. Oh, what great lessons there are to take out of this text. You know, the miracle was not in the coin. The miracle was in the omniscience of Jesus and the obedience of Peter. We're going to break it all down today, and I'm so glad that you're with me on this episode of Awakened to Grace. If you will, go with me to Matthew chapter 17. We're only going to look at a few verses today, verses 24 to 27. I want to focus on just these few verses, and there are some truths that I want to share with you that the Lord has been sharing with me. This has been on my heart for a few weeks, and as I told you, I'm almost always in expository series, but for the next little bit, I just feel as though the Holy Spirit wants us to do some standalone sermons, um, just some strong teaching, and... um, Such will be the case today. Stand alone. I want to focus today on the miracle that Christ did for Peter. But what I want you to really see is that the miracle may not be exactly what we think it is at face value. I don't know where your life is at the moment. I don't know what your needs are. I don't know where your faith is. But I want to speak today to people who you need God to be active in your life. You realize that you are not self-sufficient. You realize that you cannot sustain by yourself. As we talked last week, we talked about Jeremiah 2.13, that God's people often make themselves a cistern, thinking they can hold their own water. But what does Scripture say? We are a broken cistern that can hold no water. And who is God? He is the fountain of everlasting life, of water. He's the fountain of living water. And if you and I are going to be sustained in life, if you and I are going to have the help that heaven wants to give us, if you and I are going to be filled with grace and truth, if you and I are going to walk by faith and not by sight, I don't know about you, but I'm not going to find it within myself. I'm not going to find it in other people. I'm not going to find it in the church. I'm going to find it only in one place, and that's meeting God in His Word, and that's the only place that I'm going to get it. I need God to intervene daily into my life. And what I want to talk to you today about is a need that Peter had and the remarkable way that God met that need for Peter. What I want to talk to you today is about how God is always orchestrating events in our life. Can you look back into your past and can you see times that God was setting things up? Can you see times that God's hand was orchestrating things that you didn't know he was? 
Oh, let me tell you, God loves details and God loves to orchestrate. And this is an amazing story. It is a remarkable story of a need being met by the Lord. And I want to show you today how God desires to meet our needs as well. If I were to ask you, do you believe that God does miracles in your life? How would you respond to that within your heart? You know, I think sometimes, if you'll follow my way of thinking here before I jump into our text, I, want, I just want to share with you my perspective of the way God works in our lives. I think too many of us are in one ditch or the other. Either we think that miracles are just too simplistic or we think they are too complex. Now, what do I mean by simplistic? Many of us have needs in our life, things that we're looking for God to do, trusting for God to do. But often we are a little bit too simplistic in the, thing, in the way we think God is like a genie in a bottle. We think whatever we need, God's just going to snap his fingers and bam, it appears. And all you have to do is just look to the Lord. And the Lord at some point, in some way, at some time, however, you don't worry about the details. Fly by the seat of your pants. God knows what you need. And just bam, God will just nod his head and there it is. Too simplistic. How many of you know God's not a genie in a bottle? But then many of us... We think God's miracles are too complex. We think, oh, no, God, God wouldn't do that for me. God only does that for super spiritual people. God only does that for those elite Christians. God only does that for people that are way above me, way out ahead of me. God would not do something for me. Anybody ever think that way? What I want to show you in this text is that miracles are not simplistic nor complex. Miracles ought to just be part of everyday life for a believer. Because what I'm going to show you in the text, do you know what the result of this miracle, do, do, do you know why, let me say it this way, do you know why this miracle took place of the coin in the fish's mouth? It's because of Peter's obedience. And when you understand the key to God's blessings in your life, the key to God's supernatural provisions in your life, the key to God's miracles working in your everyday life, do you know what the key is? Obedience. I want to show you in the text why I personally believe Peter was in a whole different realm. He was in a whole different mind frame than the other disciples. And so he walked in a different level. He walked in a different experience than other people did. The miracle is not that there was a coin in the fish's mouth. That's not the point of the story. That's not the point that God wants us to marvel at. As a matter of fact, it is the fish tilapia. How many of you like tilapia? I like tilapia. As a matter of fact, tilapia is often known as St. Peter's fish. That's what they think he called. Do you know that tilapia carries their eggs in their mouth? And when the eggs leave, 
tilapias have what is basically an empty nest syndrome. And you know what tilapias look for? Any shiny object. Maybe a rock, maybe metal, it may be a coin. They look for something to hold in their mouth. The miracle is not that there was a coin in the fish's mouth. The miracle is in the omniscience of Jesus and in the obedience of Peter. Let's dissect it today. Verse number 24 of Matthew 17. I want you to look there with me. So Peter is apparently not with Jesus at the moment. They come into Capernaum, which was the adopted hometown of Jesus. And they're in Capernaum, which is basically their home base of where Jesus does his earthly ministry. And Peter is approached by these bigwigs who are tax collectors. Now, if you're going to take notes, note a couple of things about this text that I find fascinating. Number one, this miracle is not recorded in any other gospel except Matthew's. And this miracle is about paying taxes. Why do you suppose that Matthew records this miracle? Why do you suppose that Matthew finds it interesting and noteworthy? Because Matthew was a former tax collector. Isn't that interesting? Matter of fact, I have a devotion coming out the 1st of November, right before the midterms, called The Divided United States. And you know what I think is interesting about Jesus? You know, he had Matthew, who was a tax collector for Rome, who would have been loyal to the Roman government. And then he had Simon, who was who? A zealot. Who would have murdered for the name of Israel. And probably did. They would have been the equivalent of modern day terrorists. They believed in violence and murder to push their agenda. How is it that on Jesus' small team, he recruited both a tax collector and a zealot? And he was able to get them on the exact same page. Jesus can do the same in our country today. Jesus unites people, doesn't he? Isn't that interesting? Anyways, Matthew is a tax collector, former tax collector. And it's notable that he would find this miracle so interesting. But I want you to note this as well. This is the only miracle involving money. It's the only miracle involving one fish. And it's the only miracle that Jesus ever performed that met his own need. Isn't this interesting? There's a lot of things to discover here. I want you to go to verse number 24 with me and... I want us to get this scene in our minds as Peter is not with the Savior. I don't know who all he's with. I tell you who I picture Peter. You know, he's a fisherman. He's a sailor. He could curse like a sailor. Remember he cussed out the little girl when he denied Jesus? I picture Peter as this man who was loud with this deep, gruff voice. I picture Peter really rough around the edges. I picture Peter as a man's man. I picture Peter just loud. And 
This isn't in the Bible. This is just in my mind's eye. I just picture Peter with a group of men around him, and I picture him telling a joke, and I picture right when he gets to the big punchline, and he lands it, and everyone's laughing because Peter's the center of attention, and Peter's gotten everybody going. The big wigs walk up to him. Verse 24. And look what they ask. Peter, does your master... Does he pay the temple tax or not? And Peter don't know what to say. Do you know how I know that Peter doesn't know what to say? Because how many of you have read the life of Peter prior to the book of Acts, prior to him being filled with the Holy Spirit, prior to such deep uh, repentance coming into his life and deep spiritual growth coming into his life? How many of you know Peter always had something to say, didn't he? He always stuck both feet in his mouth. He always said the wrong thing at the wrong time. Come on, right? Anybody ever identify with Peter? But the Lord knew how he was going to use Peter. The Lord knew this same Peter who always said the wrong thing at the wrong time and one day would preach one sermon that would save over 3,000 people. God had a plan for Peter. God has a plan for you as well. And so Peter is approached by these big wigs and these authorities, these tax collectors, and they come and they say, tell us, Peter, does Jesus pay taxes or not? And Peter gives a one-word answer, very unlike Peter. <laughs> I picture Peter going, uh, yes. And that's all that it records. And he gets out of Dodge. And the next thing we know, he's coming into the house where Jesus is. Isn't that interesting? I don't think Peter had any idea what to say. I don't think Peter had a clue how to respond. I think he didn't want to get Jesus in trouble. And he didn't want to compromise the master. But he didn't know what to do. And the scripture records him saying one word. Yes. What's this tax they're talking about? In Jesus' day, you paid dual taxes. You paid a Roman tax to Caesar Augustus. Remember we covered that earlier in the year in our study of the book of Mark? Jesus is in the temple and they ask about paying taxes. And he goes, give me a denarius. And one of the religious leaders who was not supposed to be carrying denarius on the temple grounds hands Jesus a denarius. And Jesus exposes their hypocrisy. Isn't it the same today? So many leaders say, they, they, they say, do as I say, not as I do. They weren't playing by their own rules. Don't people do the same thing today? Human nature hasn't changed any. And Jesus says, whose picture is on the denarius? And they say, Caesar's. And what did Jesus say? Then render to Caesar what is Caesar's. To God what is God. That was the Roman tax. They were to pay tax to Rome, to Caesar. But then there was a Jewish tax that has its roots back in the book of Exodus, Exodus chapter 30. This was for the tabernacle. When the tabernacle was done away with and they built the temple, now this tax went to, a, went to temple maintenance. The tax was half a shekel. This was the tax that was being asked about. In other words, what these 
collectors are asking very publicly, trying to embarrass Peter, what they're saying is, does Jesus, is he a good and a faithful Jew or not? And I think Peter's highly caught by surprise. And Peter simply says, yes. Verse 25, he comes into the house where Jesus is. And Jesus, before Peter is able to say a word, Jesus stuns Peter. And do you know what he says to him? Jesus, read it in verse number 25. Jesus is going to teach Peter how he ought to think. There is a phrase found here, and again later in chapter 17, where Jesus says, Peter, what do you think? Or in other words, what do you suppose? Is this, is it lawful? Is it right to pay the tax or not? You know what I love about verse 25? Before Peter could even ask Jesus a question, Jesus already had the solution. Jesus already knew the need. Why? Because what verse 25 highlights, it shows us the omniscience of Jesus. You realize, church, you realize we give Satan far too much credit. Do you realize that only the Lord is all-knowing, omniscient? Do you know Satan's not all-knowing? There's a mistake we make as believers. We think that Satan and Jesus are co-equal rivals. It's not at all what the Scripture teaches. Satan is a created being. He is not all-knowing, omniscient. He's not all-powerful, omnipotent. He is not everywhere at once the way God is. He's not omnipresent. When our brother and sister return to Africa next week, the Lord's going to be with them just as the Lord is right here with us. Satan does not have that ability. That's why he relies on his kingdom of darkness, Ephesians chapter 6. That's why there is a hierarchy to Satan's kingdom because Satan cannot be everywhere at one time. He does not know all things. He is not all powerful. He is not an equal to the Lord Jesus Christ. He's far below. Do you remember last year in our verse-by-verse study of the book of Revelation when he is going to be bound for a thousand years? Do you remember who binds him? Not the Lord Jesus Christ. Simply an angel. He is no match for the Lord Jesus. He is not omniscient. Only the Lord is. And what this text teaches us in verse number 25 is that Christ is omniscient. And so he's going to teach Peter how to think. I love this. He's going to say, Peter, what do you suppose? What do you think? The kings of the earth, do they take toil? Do they take tax from their sons or from others? Now, this is going to be the second time that Peter's challenged. And Peter rightly answers. Uh, that's not in the text. That's just how I picture it going down. Peter's having a rough day, I think. And Peter goes, uh, others. 
And Jesus said, that's right. Sons don't pay tax. Verse number 26, the point Jesus is making is that he is free from all taxes. He's the son of the king, and the king's sons do not pay tax. Boy, wouldn't this be a great verse to bring up with 80-some thousand new IRS agents being hired? Okay. <laughs> oh, but don't worry. Your phone calls are going to get answered so much quicker. It's going to be wonderful. I heard someone say that, and I thought, then why are they calling them enforcers? Anyways, anyway. Yeah. So let's learn something here. Let's learn something. Jesus is not only going to teach Peter how to think. He's going to teach us how to think. Verse number 27. Now this is highly interesting. Jesus is going to say, sons of the king are free from taxes. However, oh, the howevers of Jesus. However, to not give offense. We're going to pay it. Do you know what Jesus is teaching Peter here? Do you know what Jesus is ultimately teaching us? As believers, we have dual citizenship. We have a citizenship here to our country, to our government, to our responsibilities. We have an earthly citizenship. But we also have a heavenly citizenship. We live in the natural Yet we also live in the supernatural. Amen? And neither, listen, you cannot neglect either the supernatural or the natural. I am not excited at all about these 80-some thousand IRS workers. But I also have no desire to cheat on my taxes. Why? Because as believers, we have a responsibility. And Jesus is teaching in verse 27. Listen, sons of the king, you're free. However, not to cause offense. Pay what is owed. Give what is due. I don't want to be a believer who God looks on one hand and says, Chad, you gave to my kingdom. And you lived a sacrificial life toward my kingdom. But you cheated your government. What a bad testimony. So what do we do? As believers, we understand we live a dual citizenship. As believers, we have responsibility to our earthly citizenship as well to our heavenly citizenship. Well, I'm not getting many amens on this, so we'll move right along in the text. But... Nonetheless, it is true. Amen. So Jesus says, pay the tax. Half a shekel. Jesus has a need. Peter has a need. And he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go fish. Oh, there's some truth right here. Go fish. Take a hook. The first fish you catch, open its mouth. There'll be a shekel there. Pay your tax and pay my tax. Half a shekel, one full shekel. Oh. 
What did we say in the beginning? I think so often we make miracles. We make God's blessings. We make God's provision. We make it far more complicated than what it ought to be. We make it sometimes too simplistic than what it ought to be. So what is the answer to God's provision? What is the answer to God's blessings? How do I walk in supernatural miracles in my life? I want to know that. I want to look around and I want to be able to see God do things that I didn't have the ability to do. I want to see God work circumstances. I want to see God open doors. I want to see God bring opportunities. I want to see God advance the kingdom in ways that through my arm, through my flesh, I could have never done on my own. I want blessings to come into my life that are those Deuteronomy 28 blessings that God commands them to overtake me because I don't have the ability to do it. Anybody on the same page with me this morning? How do I walk in that? And I realize that in their audience today, people think one of two things. Either they think God just snaps his fingers and, well, maybe God will and maybe he won't. And maybe I'm lucky and maybe I'm not. And it's just way too simplistic. And if I just quote the right scripture, if I just treat God like a genie, then it's all going to happen. And then others are over here going, it never happened for me. No, neither are true. What happened for Peter? Number one, I want you to note this. Number one, God told Peter to do what he was already good at. God told Peter to go do what he was already good at. Let me ask you a question. Have you found what you're good at? Have you discovered how God's equipped you? How God has gifted you? Do you use your skill sets for the glory of God? You look at a room this size and it's hard telling how many professions are in this room. It's hard telling how many abilities are in this room. Well, let me tell you what Peter's profession was. He was a fisherman by trade. He was not a preacher. He was not an eloquent speaker. As a matter of fact, when he stood trial before the bigwigs in Acts chapter 4, they looked at him and said, this is an uneducated man. What do we say about Jesus bringing people together? He brought a tax collector for Rome and a Jewish zealot together. Well, you think about this. Was Paul not one of the most brilliant analytical minds that ever walked the earth? Peter was one of the most uneducated men that ever walked the earth. He stood before the big wigs of, of Israel and they looked at each other and they said, this is an uneducated guy. There wasn't anything impressive about him. But then they looked at each other and they go, they go but he's been with Jesus. <laughs> Amen. He's been with Jesus. Do you see the common denominator here? And Jesus can take someone who has a high IQ and someone who's incredibly brilliant like Paul and he can put them right beside an uneducated man like Peter and who still gets the glory? Jesus. I'm telling you, Jesus brings people together. And here Peter is. He's not good at a whole lot. But he can do one thing. He can catch fish. And you know what Jesus tells him to do? 
Go do what you're good at. Now say amen if you're with me right now. You may be looking for God's blessings and miracles all in the wrong places. You know where God really wants to bless you? Right where you live every day. Doing what you do every day. What are you good at? What has God gifted you in? What can you do well for the glory of God? Some of you, no matter what it is, and I don't know what it is. Some of you are great with technology. Some of you are great with gardening. Some of you are great with music. Others, are you, others of you are teachers and you're great with teaching. Others of you are great with baking and some are great. Let, let, let me tell you one of, the, one of the greatest ministries going in our church right now. We, we have ladies who just send cards to people. What a gift of encouragement. What a gift of encouragement. Some of you have gifts of hospitality. Some of you have gifts of mercy and compassion. There are literally gifts bursting out of every one of you because it's what God gives you by His Spirit. And you know what I think God would tell you? Go do what you're good at. And as you go do what you're good at, you'll find the favor of God all over you. Some of you are salesmen. Some of you work at banks. Some of you are postal carriers. I'm t- there's all kinds of things in here. And I don't care what your occupation is. I don't care what your skill is. Some of you are carpenters and you're able to work with your hands. Some of you are thinkers and you, you, you create things. It don't matter what it is. The point of the text is God will use you where you are. To do what you're good at. My question to you today is have you ever discovered what you're good at? I'm not asking what you do for a job. I'm asking have you ever discovered what you're good at? You may not be very happy at your place of employment right now. You may not be happy in your environment or what you do for a living right now. But I'm telling you, you with gifts of encouragement, you can use that right where you work. Amen? You with the gift of faith, you can use it right where you are. You with the gifts of intercession, oh, you can use it right where you are. Are you being used by God right where you are? In other words, the miracle wasn't in the coin in the fish's mouth. The miracle was in the omniscience of Jesus telling Peter, this is what I want you to do. And Peter's obedience to go do what he was already good at. In other words, you know where the miracle was found? It was found in the mundane of everyday life. (laughs) Come on now, right? The mundane. The routine. I can't imagine. When When Peter told Jesus to go fish. Now I'm curious about this. I don't know how Peter reacted. I don't know if Peter was like the typical man who was like, yeah, I'll go fishing. Okay. Or if it was so routine to Peter. If it was so mundane to Peter. That Peter's first reaction was, what? That's what I already do all the time. That's not special. Come on. Now say amen if you're with me right now. That's not special. I already do that. As a matter of fact, I'm pretty good at it. 
Let's drill down just for a moment, a few more minutes on this. Now, there's a twist here that I notice in the text. He not, he not only says, go fishing, but how did Peter fish? Anybody remember how Peter fishes? He, with nets. He cast his nets. Jesus doesn't tell Peter to fish like he normally does. I bet when Peter, I bet when Jesus said, okay, Peter, I want you to go fish. I bet the first thing Peter thought was, well, where's my nets? My nets are clean. Let's go. No, no, no. What's he say? He goes, go to the sea, take a hook, and the first fish you catch, there'll be a shekel. What would have happened had Peter go, I don't do good with hooks. I'll do it with a net. That's what I'm good at. Jesus, you remember that time that I almost broke the nets because there were so many fish? I know nets. Jesus, you remember when you called me to follow you? Do you remember what I was doing? I was washing my nets. Jesus, you leave the fishing to me because I'm the expert. Oh, come on now, right? Don't a lot of us act like we're the expert of our life? Don't a lot of us act like we know all there is to know? We know what we're doing. Leave it, leave it to me, Lord. I got this. What God blessed was Peter's strategic obedience. Oh, let me tell you the realm I want to live in. Let me tell you what I want in my everyday, ordinary, mundane, Monday through Sunday life. I want to live in strategic obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ. That if God says your routine is right, but I want you to go left, we're going left today. Amen. If God says, I want you to go forward, I want you to go backward, I want you to stand still. It don't matter what God says. I'm going to be obedient in every little detail that God tells me. And if I'm used to nets and God says use a hook, well, today we're using the hook. Amen. I don't want to have an attitude, God. I know what I'm doing. The miracle was in the strategic obedience of Peter to take the smallest of details. Do you remember the story in Luke 5 when Jesus did come to Peter and Peter was fishing with his nets and Peter had fished all night long and had not caught a thing. You remember that? And Jesus said, take us out into the deep. And Peter goes, done been there, bought, done done that, and I got the t-shirt. There's nothing out there. I've done the graveyard shift, and there's no point. Peter could have easily told the Lord, I come back tonight at 7 o'clock, clock in with me. You can hang out with me all night long. But that's not what Peter did. Do you remember what Peter told the Lord? He said, I fished all night long. There's nothing there. Nevertheless, at thy word. Amen. Nevertheless, at thy word, I'll do it. And what happened? They nearly broke the nets. Now, 
when Jesus tells Peter to go fishing, he don't use the nets. He says, use a hook, and the first fish you catch, there'll be a shekel in its mouth. Oh, the omniscience of Jesus, the obedience of Peter. You know what it resulted in? A marvelous miracle. You know what? When Peter came home that day, and I think he was mightily intimidated by those tax collectors. And when Jesus addressed him before he even spoke a word to Jesus, Jesus already knew everything going on. You know what? I wonder if Peter thought about that years later when he wrote, casting all your care upon him because he cares for you. 1 Peter 5, 7. Do you believe that Jesus knows all about your needs today? Do you believe that Jesus knows every practical need you have today? He knows every need in your marriage. He knows every need financially. He knows every health need. He knows every stress. He knows every anxiety. Let me tell you, Jesus knows all about it today. All about it. And you know what he says, 2 Peter 1, 3? His divine power has granted to us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Now, look at verse 28. Now, this is interesting. I would think that verse 28 would say, And thus, Peter went to the sea, and thus, he caught a fish, and thus, there was a coin. But it doesn't say that. Interestingly, you know what it says? The other disciples began to fight, asking, who is the greatest in the kingdom? You know what I think this suggests? You know, my big question that I'd love to ask, was the tax only paid for Jesus and Peter? That, that's, the, that's what I suppose. What about the tax for all the other disciples? You know what I think the text suggests? I think it suggests that Peter was walking at a whole different level than the other disciples. While they were fighting, he was fishing. Come on now, right? Some of you need to adopt that mentality at your workplace. You need to adopt it with your family, that family you always fight with. Those people you always argue with. Oh, Lord, help us. Those people on social media that you argue with, you need to stop fighting. You need to start fishing. I think Peter was in a whole other realm than the other disciples at this moment, at this point. And you know what? He saw the provisions of God. He saw the blessings of God. Let me tell you, I don't want to entangle myself in all these other things. I want to walk in God's supernatural. Yes, I walk in the natural, but I also live in the supernatural. I'm an earthly citizen, but oh, oh, I'm also a heavenly citizen. The omniscience of Jesus knows every need I have. The Lord only needs one thing out of me. Obedience. And my argument today is God's miracles are not all that simplistic. It's not a genie in the bottle. But neither are his miracles all that complex. 
You know what brings the miracles of God? You know what brings the favor of God? You know what brings the blessings of God? Obedience. And that's why every one of you today can walk in it. That's why every one of us can experience it. That's why every one of us today can live with experiences with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Have you visited my online store where you can find books, music, sermon series, and so much more? I hope you'll go there today, awakentograce.com slash store, and keep checking back because our resources that are designed for spiritual growth are always growing. Awakentograce.com slash store.